Good morning. It's a great day to enjoy this this sunlight. We're going to start off with heavenly sunlight. Four eighty nine. Continue on with leaning on the everlasting arms. 
God, we thank you so much that we can join together on this beautiful day and rejoice you. Lord, we thank you for creating all of this and, and making it good. Lord, I, I thank you for this fellowship of believers that we get to come together weekly, that we get to celebrate with one another what you are doing in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to continue to encourage one another and to share the gospel with the people around us. Lord, also, we thank you so much that we can lean on you, that your, your arms are safe and secure, that you shelter us, you keep us safe, God. Lord, also, you provide us strength when we need it. Lord, in our weakness, we are made strong. Lord, I pray that you will help us to place our trust, our hope, that you'll help us to focus on you as being important in our lives. But we know that there are troubling times that are uh, troubling things that are happening around us, God. And, and we know without a shadow of a doubt that you've got this. Lord, that you have already overcome the biggest problem that we could ever have. And that is salvation, Lord. You've provided us a way that we can be saved. You've died in our place. You've given us a gift that we can have eternal life. All we have to do is agree with you and repent that we are sinful and that we need a Savior. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Lord of their life, that today will be that day that they surrender to you, that they name you the Lord of their life. We love you and we look forward to continue to worship you throughout this morning by singing you more praises and also studying your word. We pray that you'll be with Brother Barry as he delivers the message uh, through God's word. And Lord, help us to apply to our hearts and lives and share it with the people around us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Whiter than snow, 464.
sin taints us. It's, it's kind of like going out and playing in the dirt and the mud like, like I used to do as a kid and come inside and I'd be dirty from head to toe. And mom would say, alright, you need to wash up before dinner. And so, just that imagery of how sin taints us and, and covers us without Christ. Christ is the only thing that we can have that actually cleanses us from our unrighteousness. And that is awesome that God does that for us. Revive us again, 493. saving us and, and you have called us to be holy because you are holy Lord I pray that if there is any sin that would stand in the way of us being in right relationship with you that we would repent of that sin Lord I pray that as Brother Barry comes to share your word that our hearts will be open and our ears will be open and Lord we will not be distracted by the cares of this world Lord we thank you for the promise of salvation for 
also going to prepare a place for us that where you are, we can be also. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Just getting set up here just momentarily. I hope no one's thinking, Lord, blow the wind, blow his sermon out in the yard. Surely nobody's thinking that. making sure that the stand is working, that everything is moving correctly. Couldn't unscrew it a while ago to loosen it up, so maybe we can deal with it as best we can this morning. We're going to be in 2 Timothy, looking at chapter 4, and then we're going to look at chapter 1. Looking at the title of today's message, People That We Meet Along the Way. People That We Meet Along the Way. As you read through Paul's letters throughout the New Testament, as you get close to the end of the letter, um, in the conclude, what we would call the conclusion, Paul would just go with rapid fire motion and his pen writing skills, and he would just start listing one follower of Christ right after another. And that's not unusual for him to do that because he did it here in 2 Timothy. He listed 22 names of people throughout the book of 2 Timothy. And then two groups of people. And then he listed two Old Testament people as well. And I want us to look at these people. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, like, Lord, is he already thinking he's going to go through all 22 of those names? Nah. We're just going to look at three of them here this morning. I just tried to give a bit of a little tension that you thought we would go through all of them. I don't think we could probably do a good biographical sketch and remember all of them this morning. But as we remember people we've met along the way, for, for the most part, I believe the people that we have met, um, the personalities are usually about the same, but every once in a while, there's one individual that, that sticks out more than any other individual. Have y'all have met any of those people? You can honk or flash your headlights. Y'all met people like that? Okay, no one's responding. No headlights, no horns. Okay, you make sure. All right. So you've met someone that's just really off the wall, just really different from everyone else. And we've all been in that place before. But And I want us to look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. 
as Paul now starts his list of people, the first two people we're going to look at, Paul doesn't have anything good to say about them. There's this point in his ministry as he's getting to the sunset and the death of his life and about to be in the very presence of Christ, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And he knows that his life is about to be poured out as an offering to Christ, that, this, that the end is near and it's coming. And as he is writing this encouraging letter to a young pastor, protege, as he writes this name here in verse 10 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Now, Paul briefly mentioned him in two different passages of Scripture, one in Colossians, another one in Philemon. And when he wrote Colossians, when he first mentioned Demas, he would later write 1 Timothy, and then some years later, about five to six years later, he would write 2 Timothy. So in a five to seven year span, something went on with Demas. That he was a close associate with Paul, and then... The scripture says here in verse 10, For Demas has forsaken me. For Demas has deserted me. So if we look at this first individual, Demas the deserter. The scripture says here in verse 10, Forsaken or deserted. That is a strong verb in the Greek language. It means to be completely abandoned or leave someone helpless in dire need. So once again, it means to completely abandon an individual and to leave them helpless. This is what Paul writes of Demas the deserter, the one who has forsaken him and in his most dire need in the ministry, and that Demas has deserted him. And then the scripture goes on to say as well, not only has Demas forsaken me and left me by myself, but he has loved the present world. Now, I'm going to look at another passage of Scripture found in 1 John chapter 2, where the beloved disciple gives us a little bit more detail about the world, about that worldly system that wants to draw us away from Christ. And it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, dealing with Demas' being pulled and having a strong attraction to the world, that John writes this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So, in verses 15 through 17 of 1 John chapter 2, we find that this beloved disciple says, It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But there are two responses that the worldliness affects the person. One is a response to the Father's love. That's why in verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world, 
Even when one loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is a strong attraction by which the world wants to pull individuals away from God. So it's a response to the Father's love. It's also a response to the Father's will. That's in verse 17. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So the two responses here. Out of 1 John, of the beloved disciple in which he was writing this letter, is that this response is to the Father's love and to the Father's will. And those to whom are attracted by the Father, to the Father, wooed by the Father, want to move away from the world and not be moved into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The Father desires our affection. He desires our commitment for Him. He wants our attention and our commitment more than, and you fill in the blank. God wants our attention and wants our commitment more than, and you fill in the blank. Now, for Demas, he reminds us of the parable of, of the sower. The sower went out to sow seed according to Matthew chapter 13. And as he would sow seed along the wayside, the birds would come and snatch it up. That's what the evil one does. But also the sower planted seeds in the stony places as well. Where when the seed was planted, the person received the word of God with joy. But when tribulation and persecution arose, arise or arose, they walk away. And then when the sower planted seed among the thorny places, the one who hears the word, but the cares of the word, of the world, the deceitfulness and the riches choke it out. And so this kind of describes Demas. At one time in his life, the great joy had a great profession, had spoken the correct words, but during Paul's preliminary hearings, no one stood with him. So we begin to think that with Demas being the deserter, that his, the soil of the Word of God fell upon his heart of stony and thorny places. That after a while, that thinking everything was going to be white picket fences, that everything was going to be a pretty day and no persecution whatsoever, and that our faith would never be challenged. At some point, Demas deserts. He walks away. He goes to Thessalonica. He leaves Paul and leaves him in a dire need, abandons him, forsakes him. You and I will meet people along the way in our journey towards heaven that will desert the gospel. They will say the right words. They will have the right actions. But during times of a vice that comes upon them, they desert, they depart, they forsake. There's another individual that Paul mentions here. It's Alexander. It's in verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And it says here, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Now, 
Alexander would be the agitator. He is the one that is listed as a coppersmith, letting us know there's more people out there named Alexander. And Paul, being very specific, said the one who's a coppersmith, the one that probably makes idols out of copper. This is what I'm talking about. This is the one that Paul writes, says he did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his work. So it seems as if when Paul was in his preliminary hearing, that it was Alexander the coppersmith that came against Paul to cause him much harm. And so not only is he the agitator, but we also find that he's an antagonist as well. When you and I go through something like this in our Christian walk, that we would like to wish and like to think that everybody is on our side, that even a person is not a believer, that, you know, they would have some, they would be cordial, they would be nice, they would be kind, but that's not always the matter. They would much rather slam the door in your face, they would much rather spit in your face, they would much rather speak evil against you and poison your name. And when those things happen, we do get angry. We do get a little upset. And what Paul is saying here, he said, may the Lord repay him according to his works. What we're learning from Paul as he's writing to Timothy as we're now listening in and following his penmanship, Paul's not going to take revenge upon him. Because according to Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 35, it says this, by the Lord, vengeance is mine. Paul would write in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So when we come across, as we meet people along the way, there will be someone like Demas who seems to be walking with Christ, can say the right words, pray the right thing, but then when troubled time come, they desert. And then you have Alexander the agitator, the one who's very upfront with what he doesn't believe and who he doesn't believe in, and will become an agitator, will become one who is an antagonist. You and I will meet those type people along the way. But I want to turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 to allow you to read someone that Paul spoke very highly of. And it's in verse 16 of chapter 1. It says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Onesiphorus was a unique individual. He was the booster. And as you read this, and maybe it's the first time, maybe it's repeated times that you have seen this, it says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. Onesiphorus' name means help bringer. This is an individual that actually lived up to his name. This is an individual that 
sought Paul out. This is the one the scripture says he often refreshed me. The word refresh means one that is to make cool, one who is to relieve the pressure. It is like when we have been compressed with life that there is someone that we can fellowship that helps us to debrief, helps us to unwind. And this is exactly what Onesiphorus did for Paul. I hope you caught that. This is what Onesiphorus did for the Apostle Paul. Now, when you and I get into the presence of the Lord and to take our last breath here on earth, and then we step in the very presence of God and we see Christ face to face, there will be some time as we're in heaven that we'll come across people like David. We'll come across people like Moses and Abraham and Lazarus and Mary and Martha and Onesiphorus and Ezra, Jabez. You will meet these people that we always talk about, man, I want to meet the Apostle Paul, Timothy, but what about these other believers that helped them along the way? Well, this would be Onesiphorus because the Apostle Paul said he often made me cool. He often debriefed me. He also allowed me to decompress that he refreshed me frequently. This was the one who was the help bringer. This is the one that brought help to me. And so this is Paul who wrote encouraging letters who is speaking now through a letter of someone who encouraged him. Now, I understand in the Christian life that when you're on the front lines and you're living out this walk, you're going through this journey, and you're being faithful to Christ, and things don't always go the way that we particularly like, and that we go to someone like an Apostle Paul, someone who may be older. We go to a brother or sister in Christ, and we unwind to them, and they're not a yes person. And they're willing to poke back and maybe show something that we're missing. And they love us, they care for us, but they're willing to give us encouragement. They're willing to help guide us along the way. And these individuals are to refresh us. These individuals are there to allow us to decompress. But always remember this. Don't always be a taker. If you're always going to someone in order to unload on them, at some point you're going to have to come to a realization like I did with my mentor, pick up the phone and just call him and say, I don't have any, I may have a problem, but I'm not going to mention them to you today. I just want to call and say, hey, and check on you. I want to be a giver. Today, I don't want to take from you and soak life out of you that I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to be a giver today for you. And so Onesiphorus was this help bringer that Paul mentioned about that often refreshed him, who was a giver. And the scripture says here in verse 17, but when he arrived in Rome, he was from Ephesus. For some reason, he was there in Rome, and he sought out Paul. And that word sought means 
He kept asking. He kept asking. He kept asking people, where's Paul? Where's Paul? Well, in the time of persecution in which Paul was undergoing, not many people, the scripture says no one stood with him in this preliminary hearing. And so no one was willing to admit they knew the apostle Paul. But it says here that he sought him out. Onesiphorus sought Paul out and was unashamed of his chains and sought him out very zealously. Then Paul says there in verse 16, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. And he prays that the day would come as he stands before God in a prayer of appreciation, not only as Onesiphorus would stand before Christ, you and I will stand before Christ. And you and I will give an account of our life. And may it be like one of Onesiphorus, the booster, not like Alexander, the agitator, the antagonist, nor like Demas, the deserter. I want you to leave here this morning thinking about the accountability, thinking about this one named Onesiphorus among the 22 names that Paul listed in this letter. Not all of them being of great character, but being unbelievers. Yet this one right here, we don't hear too much about, very little is written about, yet he impacted the Apostle Paul's life. It says he refreshed him often. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. As we're sitting in vehicles, as we're sitting up here in the auditorium foyer, as we think back through what Paul is telling us, this one who saw the light, the one who was on the road to Damascus, in order to persecute the church. The one that had called havoc. The one that held the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. That when Christ knocked him to the ground, it changed Saul's life. That he came out of darkness and he came into the marvelous light and the sun of the love of Christ. And his life changed forever. That's what Christ does for every individual that comes to Him by faith. Those who respond to Christ by faith, He changes. Those who make the exchange of death into life, those who come repentance and faith are forever changed and will be forever changed into the likeness of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul that we're talking about. As we look back in our own life, we haven't been perfect. We haven't batted a thousand. We haven't done everything correctly. But what we so desire as believers is to be faithful. You can be like Demas and desert Christ. You can say the right words. But if faith is not truly in Him, then when times of difficulty come up, you will desert if your faith is not in Him. There are enemies of the gospel in the world. 
and they are like Alexander. They want to cause you much harm. And you may be like Alexander. It's time to repent. But you need, you and I need to learn that we need to be givers, not takers. There are times when we do have to unwind. There are times when we need an encourager. There are times that we do need to debrief. And also there are times that we need to refresh other believers. It's the people that we meet along the way. Would they be impacted by Christ through you? As Paul, as Paul was getting close to the end of his life, he knew where he was headed. Do you know where you're headed? Is Christ Lord, owner, boss, savior of your life? If he is not, this is an opportunity where you are to turn from your evil and place your faith in the risen Savior. And then for you as believers that you have done that, that's the reason why you are a believer. You will be able to say with Paul at the close of your life, I have finished the race. I have fought the fight the good fight and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Heavenly Father as we come to the close of this worship time together in the midst of under your heavens that we have allowed your word to transform us into the likeness of you this morning in your holy name we pray Lord Jesus Amen before Jason comes and leads us in a song of departure, I uh, just want to say thank you to the church, thank you to the WMU for your wonderful gift of appreciation towards me last week. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you to Noah, thank you to Jason, thank you to Jonathan who set up the computer, Noah playing up here on the keyboard, and Jason leading us in a time of worship. Come on, brother, lead us on. We're going to close with the third verse of Heavenly Sunlight. Six.